1: the mystery of the ark next on times of refreshing with pastor napoleon kaufman join us The Ark of the Covenant. Movies have been made about it. We've all seen the wonderful movies that show up on the big screen. There's been talk and discussion about it for centuries now. So what is the mystery of the Ark of the Covenant? And why is it so important for you and I as believers? It's an Old Testament thing. But here in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, the author of this book makes reference to it for your benefit and mine. So let's take a look at those benefits, shall we? The Mystery of the Ark of the Covenant. With today's broadcast of Times of Refreshing, our teacher and pastor now. Once again, here's Pastor Napoleon Kaufman.
2: I want you to go in your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. I want to show you this that the Spirit of God has shown me, and then we're going to get back to some praying. Amen? Hebrews chapter 9. Do you have that? You can go ahead and put that up there, Deacon Roger. Hebrews chapter 9. And we're going to look at verses 1 on down to 5. It says here, Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread. Which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil. The part of the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all. Or the holy of holies. Which had the golden censer. And the ark of the covenant. Overlaid in all, on all sides with gold. In which were the golden pot. That had the manna. Aaron's rod. That had budded. That budded. And the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. All these things, look what he says, we cannot speak. We cannot now speak, he says, in detail. I want to talk to you guys about the mystery of the Ark of the Covenant. You know, when you read your Bible in the book of Exodus... The book of Numbers, the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Leviticus, it is clear that God gave Moses specific instructions in building a tabernacle, something that he would, that he would have Moses to erect and to set up, which, be, which would be ultimately the centerpiece in Israel. And in that place, the presence of God dwelt. And we see a picture of this here. Um, and I think it's, can everyone see that pretty good right there? I think it's pretty clear that right here we have an outer court. Then we have this thing that looks like basically a box. And in the midst of this, there was basically what they would call the, the holy place, which was half of this box or part of this box. But then in the far back, we see where that ray of lighter that is coming up is, is what we call the holy of holies. And, um, you know, it's interesting that God caused him to do this, that God would be in the midst. But what you have to realize is that anytime that you have things like a tabernacle, you have things like the sh- table of showbread, you have things like the, um, the brazen altar, all these things are types and shadows of what God was going to do in our lives or what he was going to do through Christ's life. And we have to see this as a type and a shadow. Remember, Saints, that God does not dwell in temples made with hands. The Bible clearly says that these were types and shadows, and that ultimately God wants, to be, wants you to be His tabernacle, His temple, His holy place. And just like this particular tabernacle had three parts, you have three parts. You are a tripart-type being. You have a spirit. You possess a soul and you live in this shell called your body. Your body is the outer court. Your soul is the inner court. And your spirit is the holy of holies. God is a spirit and he takes residence within your spirit. He wants to govern within your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. And he wants to consume this thing called your body. God wants you to be his holy habitation, his dwelling place. And this is all a type and a shadow of what God was doing. And so when we read the book of Hebrews chapter 9, we see very clearly that the, the writer here is given a distinction and he's causing us to understand what was really meant by these things that took place but one of the things that I really want to focus on is, is this last part in verse four, where it says, "Which had the golden censer, this is the holy of holies, which had the goalie of censers, the golden censer, and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, and which were the golden pot that had the manna." He says, "Aaron's rod that had budded, and the tablets of the covenant." And he says, and above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things, he says, we cannot now speak in detail. So now in the Holy of Holies, we had a a place called the Ark of the Covenant. And this Ark of the Covenant was a box made of shittim wood that was overlaid with gold. It had seraphims over the top and the top lifted up with the seraphims. And inside, and this is the key, inside were three things. He says, number one, he says there was manna. Number two, he says there was Aaron's rod that budded. And number three, he says there was the two tablets or the, 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 the tablets that were written in stone, the Ten Commandments. All these dwelt within this box. And if you come next week, I'm going to tell you what these things represent. It's critical that we understand as we're walking with God that there's something that he's trying to bring in terms of revelation in our spirit that will cause us to go on through life's journey. Always remembering that which he has done so that we can truly consider that which he is going to do in our lives. In fact, when you go through your life, it's your personal experiences with God help to forge something within your spirit and your character that that causes you to go beyond even in sometimes when you feel like giving up amen when you know that you know god and you can and you can look back on what god has done in your life it stabilizes you it settles you it causes you to have a strength and this that god wants to do is not just a mental thing it's not just a soulless thing. It is a spiritual thing. It is, it is when you know that you know. And in some cases you can't always articulate what you know. But something deep down on the inside of you causes you to continue on. Even where people around you feel like you should be falling apart. It's called revelation of who God is and what he's done in your life. And so in this journey with God. Realize that you. You in your spirit you're the chain that's the chamber where god resides abides and lives and has set up his throne in your life and the ark of the covenant and this is what it is a picture of it's a picture of the throne but inside this is the key inside there were three articles number one we see the manna and i want you to write down this word supernatural provision supernatural provision Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 8, 15 to 18. I want you to see this. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 15. The manna, supernatural provision. Verse 15 to 18. Now watch this. It says here, as Moses is talking to the children of Israel about remembering the Lord. It says in verse 15, it says... Who led you through, God who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water. Who brought water for you out of the flinty walk. Who led you in the wilderness with what? Which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have given me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers. Look at this, as it is this day. And so what happens for us as we're walking with God, God begins to give us insight through his dealings in our lives. And he causes us to come into remembrance of his great provision in in our lives. This this manna was in the Ark of the Covenant as a testimony of what God had done in their life in making provision for them through their life's journey and through the wilderness. And I think some of us, we have to stop and realize that this is the revelation as God is called you to be his house this is something that he deposits within your spirit and he calls us to causes us to remember on a day-to-day basis that it is not you it is not how smart you are it is not how cute you are it is not how many people you know at the end of the day it is God who sustains you through life it is God who keeps you it is God who provides for you. It is God. And this has to be something that becomes a revelation in our spirit. Because the world is going to test you. And the Bible says that God's going to test you. So that you would see and know at all times that it is him who gives you power to get wealth. It's him who sustains you. It's him who keeps you. If the devil could kill you, he would have did it already. But God. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him, but God. God. To this point, you haven't left your, you haven't lost your mind. To this point, you haven't thrown in the towel. To this point, you haven't run and tucked your tail and hid, in a, hid some way away from life's circumstances and dealings and what's going on in life. Why? Because God has given revelation concerning His provision in your life. And the manna was continually before God, but it was a continually before the people as a, as a point of reverence and remembrance for them as they went through life's journey. That God is a sustainer. God is a, I like what he said, that God is a stabilizer. God comes through when he chooses to come through. God makes a way when there is no way. God will keep you when the world says you cannot be kept. And God, through his life's journey and through dealings with the children of Israel, he gives us an example. And then he deposits something within our spirit as the true tabernacle of God that you, that you know what? I've kept you before and I'll keep you again. Saints, don't remember the what is it's in your life. Don't forget, excuse me, the what is it's in your life. Don't forget the way in which God has kept you in your life. I look at some individuals in this room. I think about Mr. Jennifer, how God drug her all the way from Jamaica. She didn't grow up with a silver spoon in her mouth. She's telling me the testimony, but God. I sat down with people the other day, and it's amazing when I'm meeting with people, and I'm hearing their testimony, how God kept them through divorces, people walking out in their life, through heartaches and people dying suddenly. But God has kept you all this week. Don't you forget what God has done in your life in providing for you. When when you lost the house and you didn't think you were going to make it. The manna still speaks. Amen. And we have to understand in life this is something that God, he places on our spirit because there's going to be battles. There's going to be challenges. But there's also the manna was a, was a testimony before God and a testimony before the people of how God sustained them in life. And I think it's the same thing for us. we got to get this in our minds. Sometimes we're, we're, we, we look at how things are going on with our family members and with our friends and with stuff is happening. And things sudden, suddenly happen that you can't explain. But saints, I want you to get it deep down in your spirit. If God kept you before, God is going to keep you now. Amen. Can I have an amen? People getting laid off of their job. They don't know what they're going to do. But the manna still speaks. It's something that's—it has to be deep in your spirit. It can't just be in your mind. It just can't be a mental thing. It's got to be in your spirit. <laughs> It's got to be in your spirit. It's got to go beyond the outer court and beyond the inner court. It's got to get down into the holy of holies in your life. Will you just know that you know that you know that if God be for me, who can be against me? God kept me before. Can I have an amen? He'll keep me again. God's supernatural provision in your life is something that you should never overlook. You should never draw back from. It's something that you should praise God for. It's something that we need to be grateful for. It's something that we need to be thankful for. And we must never forget. We must never start thinking that it's us, that God ourselves, that are where we're at. That we're the ones that's doing everything. Some of us know we're not qualified. But God. But God. God kept these people. He sustained them. And I think for all of us, we have to realize this was in the Ark of the Covenant. The manna. God's supernatural provision in their lives. God made a way for them when it seemed like there was no way. I like what he says here. He says in verse 16. He says in verse 16. He says, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you. And that he might test you to do you good in the end. Sometimes every person in their life is going to go through these seasons in life where there's a drought. But in those moments, saints, we have to realize that God is testing your resolve. And he's also causing you to see that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God has a way of sustaining you. Sustaining you. It's not just you. It's God. He says, then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Understand that God's provision in your life is a, is a covenant issue. It's a covenant issue. God has cut co- covenant with you. And for whatever assignment that he's given you in life, he's given me in life, he's given all of us in life, understand that his provision is tied to the assignment. It does not mean that he will not test you. But it does mean that at the end of the day, God will constantly prove himself faithful. And in our lives, we have to stop and understand that. We have to walk through the doors that God's asking us to walk through. we got to see with vision what God is doing. But at the end of the day, we have to really get in on our spirit that, wait a minute. God has shown me in times past his supernatural provision and God will do it once again if I'm faithful to receive what he's trying to do in my life. We have to have this revelation and it has to go beyond just the outer court or the inner court. It's got to be in your spirit. It's amazing how Jesus, he lived his life and how what he needed when he needed it it was amazing how boom. I mean, the Bible says that he needed to pay his taxes. And he said, Okay, go out there. You mean go out there, go fishing and get that fish. That fish is he said, we can catch a fish. How are, we, how are we gonna pay a taxes with that? Saints, what I'm saying to you is stay faithful to God. God's got you. Amen? Amen. 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 Number two, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 9. Let's look at this again. He says not only that, and just keep your finger at Hebrews chapter 9. It says not only that, that he had the golden pot that had the manna. Look at verse 4. Which the golden censers and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold in which were the golden pot that had the manna. Look at this number two. He says Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron's rod that budded. The two tablets they spoke of the word of God, the Ten Commandments, God's word. I love this. Uh, excuse me, the, the uh, Aaron's rod that budded. Understand that this sp- this spoke of faithfulness. Excuse me, fruitfulness and authority. Aaron's rod that budded spoke of fruitfulness. And authority. Go to Numbers chapter 17. Getting a little ahead of myself. I'm excited. Numbers chapter 17. Fruitfulness and authority. Verse 7 on down to 13. Korah and his band have rose up against Moses and Aaron. God comes down, makes a distinction. Those that rose up against Aaron, God, he dealt with them, swallowed them up. The people began to complain at the end of chapter 16 because their friends were gone and things had happened. These people had got swallowed up. And so God told Moses to set forth rods that represented all the the, different tribes and and, uh, and families. And out of this rod, God was going to cause one of the rods to bud. Aaron's rod was among them. And in verse 7, it says... And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness. And behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds. And produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel. And they looked and each man took his rod. And the Lord said to Moses, bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony, that's the Ark of the Covenant, to be kept as a sign against the rebels, that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. This did Moses, just as the Lord commanded him, so he did. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses, saying, surely we die, we perish, we all perish. The fear of God came upon them. Whoever whoever even comes near the tabernacle of the Lord must die. Shall we all utterly die? And so in this particular situation, it is very clear God makes a distinction. And he does it by causing Aaron's rod to bud. That which was lifeless and had no fruit, God supernaturally causes it to blossom and to bud in the midst of the people. And I think this is something we have to realize and we have to get down deep in our spirit. God causes you to be fruitful. Not only does he cause you to be fruitful, but this also speaks of the authority that Aaron had possessed as a result of God's decision in causing his rod to blood. And I think for all of us, we have to understand God wants us from a spiritual standpoint, not just from a physical standpoint. He wants us to be fruitful in life. And a lot of times when we're thinking about fruitfulness, we're just thinking about what God is doing through us in terms of giving us money and houses and cars and things of that nature. But I love the fact that this, this rod was in the Ark of the Covenant, it was in the Holy of Holies. God doesn't want you just to be spiritual, I mean, fruitful from a natural, physical standpoint. He wants your spirit to be fruitful. Can I have an amen? He wants your spirit to be fruitful. He wants you to have authority. God gave him authority in this situation. He wants you to have authority. An authority not just from a natural physical standpoint. He wants you to have authority from a spiritual standpoint. That when you talk to demons, they listen to you. Can I have an amen, saints? He wants you to be fruitful. In your spirit. It's amazing how we can get around Christians sometimes. And man. I, I, t- woo, I tell you. Christians can be very mean. In the name of Jesus too. <laughs> sometimes you ask. Where is the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Self-control. God wants you to be fruitful. This is what happened. Out of barrenness. Out of deadness. Sprung forth fruitfulness. And it's the same thing for us. He wants your spirit to be fruitful. He wants you from a spiritual standpoint to bear fruit. Now, you're going to bear fruit from a natural, physical standpoint. And I want God to bless everyone from a natural standpoint. And from a material standpoint, I want God to be. But saints, we cannot think that we are Walking right with God because we have a bunch of stuff. Can I have an amen? We can get deceived thinking I'm prospering. We're we're not prospering just on the basis of us having stuff.
1: Well, thank you for joining us for Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. This program is the production of The Well Christian Community. And we pray today's broadcast has blessed you and has encouraged you in Christ. If it has, would you take a moment and let us know? There are several ways that you can contact us. First, by mail. The Well Christian Community. Address your envelope to 2333 Neeson Drive. That's here in Livermore. The zip code is 94551.